Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. This podcast is a bar crawl around America to find out what real people around the country are saying about hot political issues and culture. I'm David Kochel, longtime political consultant and veteran of six presidential campaigns. And I'm Rob Stutzman, political consultant based in California, once worked for a governor named Schwarzenegger. But more than that, Kochel and I are best friends and have drank together in a lot of bars across this glorious country. More than I can count. That's right, Rob. Each week, we'll interview a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons and therefore the pulse of America, real America. When Kochel and I fly into a city to work and we want to know what's on people's minds about politics, culture, and pocketbooks, we do the only sensible thing and find a bartender. And to kick things off, we'll find out what drink the locals are ordering, get the recipe, and knock back a few while we chat with our guest. You can find the recipe for each week's cocktail in the show notes, and I can tell you some of these will be amazing. If you decide to make this week's signature cocktail at home, please share a pic on Instagram or tweet about it with the hashtag HighballPodcast. And if you're a bartender or you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at HighballPolitics at gmail.com with the name of the bartender in the bar and why they be perfect for our show. Today, we're talking with Jamie Jackson, who bartends at LP Street Food in Cedar Rapids, as well as Hipster in Marion, Iowa. But before we chat with her, let's get a bit of context on what's been going on in the news over these past few weeks and why Iowa is an important state right now to what's going on in America. Okay, David, you're an Iowa native. So tell us why the state is so important to politics. Well, Iowa's best known for its first in the nation Iowa caucuses, obviously comes around every four years. Everybody pays attention to the first contest in the presidential race. And we chose Cedar Rapids this week because it's Iowa's second largest city, known for being the largest processor of breakfast cereal thanks to General Mills and other companies. Cedar Rapids is famous among the very online political observers as the site of Hillary Clinton's much-mocked just chilling in Cedar Rapids posts on Instagram during the 26th campaign. Do you remember that one? That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> By Iowa standards, it's a pretty diverse community with a cross section of labor, small business, and white-collar workers, and I think our interview with Jamie will kind of bring out the diversity in her customer base. Very much so. And with that, let's get to our guest, and we welcome Jamie Jackson of NLP Street Food in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Jamie, welcome to Highball Politics. We are honored to have you with us today. You're our first guest. It's exciting. It's so excited to be here with you guys. This is great. We appreciate it. First thing we want to do is we just say we just rolled into town and we're, we're sitting out at the bar. And one of the first things we would, you know, maybe quiz you about is like, hey, tell us about this place. Give us some scene setting about your establishment, the types of patrons that you regularly have, the types of service that you provide. And then we know you're going to move into town about what really what's one of your signature cocktails there yeah. at LP Street Food. Yeah, for sure. So if you're coming into LP, it's conveniently located right off the highway. So it's super easy to get to. It's got some really fun vibes to it. It's very cozy. There's lots of natural wood panel, a lot of reclaimed wood. The bar is filled with a ton of fun different bottles from a ton of huge whiskey selection, gin, liqueurs, amaros, anything pretty much you can imagine. We can make you pretty much any cocktail. The tables are all nice and handmade reclaimed wood tables. Everything's really beautiful inside the restaurant, but it's got like a nice like homey, cozy vibe. You know, it doesn't feel like it's too pretentious for anybody. Our restaurant group's name is Fun Not Fancy, FNF Restaurant Group. So just <laughs> make sure that being fully embodied in everything about the restaurant. 
lots of fun decorations all around the corners. Got a couple TVs around for people who want to watch that. Uh, the jukebox is playing. It's a good vibe. So on those TVs, what maybe customarily is on the TV? Probably, super, probably just mostly sports. It is mostly sports. You know, we've got people who come in and want to watch certain games. Otherwise, sometimes I like to leave it on the game show network. That always gets people talking and saying what, you know, the answer to whatever Jeopardy might be or something like that or Wheel of Fortune. It's always fun to have people interact more than just like staring blankly at a screen of sports. So, Jamie, we're called Highball Politics. If you were going to force politics onto your patrons, what would the circumstance be for that? Would it be a big speech of State of the Union? maybe caucus coverage or something like that. When would you have politics plan? I mean, you know, being in Iowa, we certainly do have pretty intensely political certain times of the year, every uh, certainly every four years. And yeah, State of the Union and caucuses are definitely things that people ask to see. We don't normally turn the sound on because I want everybody to feel comfortable. Not everybody comes to the bar to talk about politics. But if they did, certainly, yeah, States of the Union, um, caucuses or other like big news events would be something. People also come to escape all of that sometimes. We'll get into all that, uh, what people are coming to escape or embrace. So I'm sitting here, Jamie, with your signature cocktail, which I did have to modify slightly called the Bonfire Old Fashioned. And I have to say, I'm already a convert to the way you put this cocktail together. Why don't you tell us about the Bonfire Old Fashioned? Yeah. So this is a cocktail. All of these ingredients you can find at any of the restaurants in our restaurant group, pretty much. So this is an old fashioned style cocktail. So it's going to be pretty boozy and spirit forward, but it's still super approachable. It's not too sweet, not too bitter. We use this burnt sugar syrup. So you take cane sugar and you heat it up until the sugar has completely melted in your pot. Turn off the heat and slowly add water, which will bubble and fizz and get a little exciting. But after it's done, it has this really lovely burnt marshmallow, burnt sugar, sort of like bittersweet syrup flavor. And then I like to use a couple local products. We've got this excellent distillery. It's about 15 minutes south of us called Cedar Ridge Distillery. They make great bourbon. They make up a great rye. We actually went out and chose a single barrel rye for our restaurant group, and it's super good. But in this case, I'm using two of their products. I'm going to use their uh, bourbon and then their fruit brandy as well. They have a fruit brandy that's made with apples, pears, and grapes, aged in actually some old red wine barrels. So it's a really fun product to use and then some orange bitters you stir that up and then you flame an orange peel over it and you've got yourself a fancy little drink Thatcher, did you flame the orange peel i'm a little worried about you with an open flame <laughs> rob i did not and i did have to uh, modify on the brandy i went with a blood orange cordial which i had around i didn't have time to get out and get a brandy today but i gotta say this is terrific i didn't have cedar ridge rye but i did have a 10th mountain rye whiskey made right here in Vail, Colorado, where I am. It's pretty good. I have to say, this is a great flavor. I'm a big old fashioned fan. I'm hoping on future podcasts, we'll have other people bring their takes on old fashioned, but this is an excellent way to start. Good. Uh, rye aficionados, of course, appreciate that Templeton rye, right, is based yeah. in Iowa. It is. It is. Now that they've actually uh, moved away from the controversy of buying all their liquor from MGD in Indiana, and they're actually making it themselves now. Stick it up for the micros. All right. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of small business, working for one myself, and I used to work for a small business incubator and a community event center in Cedar Rapids as well. So we actually had, speaking of politics, quite a few famous politicians come through that space in particular, including like Elizabeth Warren and Tim Kaine, and so I was able to organize some of those events with them as well. So that segues nicely into what we want to talk about next, which is it's Iowa, famous in politics for the Iowa caucuses. Both parties have traditionally held first in the nation caucuses in Iowa. The Democrats appear they're maybe moving away from that in this cycle, but the Republicans will certainly be there again. Is that something that culturally just has an imprint upon Iowa? Is it something you're 
patrons talk about? Do they follow this? Is there any discussion or lament that the Democrats may not be coming this year, or at least not early? Or is it a sense of, oh, excellent relief from all those TV ads that we get every four years? There's probably a little bit in terms of, you know, the general population, there's probably a little bit of both of those things. In terms of someone who works in the service industry, having such a huge draw to the state and like so much attention on you is great because we get a ton of travelers through, whether they're here for the politics, whether they're part of the party, whether they're just like following along or reporters or whatever, getting those people traveling through obviously brings a ton of money and a lot of economic growth to the area. And depending on where people are at, whatever, Cedar Rapids is the second biggest city in Iowa, so it doesn't see as much action as Des Moines might. But it's still, there's a lot of people that come through. We're just a few minutes away from the University of Iowa. There's a lot that happens in Cedar Rapids, especially around that time of year. Yeah, the ads can get a little ridiculous and over the top, but I think that the benefits certainly outweigh some of the costs that we have to put up with. On the idea that the Democrats may not play in Iowa, at least as the first state, have you heard anything about that from your patrons? Are you following the news on that? Is that something people are talking about right now? I've heard a couple different things. Just the other day, I had a couple guests and I didn't want to creep too much into their conversations. You know, I hear a lot, but I try to let, you know, if people are having peaceful conversations among themselves, I try not to interrupt too much. But they were talking about specifically that topic. I didn't quite hear what the end of their statement was. But they were definitely addressing the fact that there might not be a Democratic caucus in the state. So it definitely does happen. People talk about it. I haven't really heard anything too negative or excited, but I mean, people are interested. It is big news and it would definitely change sort of how the first start of the election is perceived across the country. That's right. Reporters have famously impressive bar tabs and uh, expense accounts for this. If we miss out on, you know, even some of the traffic People coming in, political tourists, reporters, campaign staff, who also have famously high bar tabs in many cases. You know, it's not going to be the best thing for your establishment or a lot of others in Iowa. I'm interested that you did already pick up a conversation. We started to finally get a little more activity. It looks like in the next couple of weeks, we'll have another entry into the Republican race, Nikki Haley. We don't need to talk about specific candidates, but... One thing that's happening now is we're finally starting to see some movement that might kind of start breaking into conversations you see around Cedar Rapids. So you've been through a caucus or two, like you mentioned. Do you have any other stories or experiences like dealing with candidates coming through like Elizabeth Warren or Tim Kaine or others? Anything to report about that? A lot of my experience in working with candidates was when I was the bar and events manager at the Nouveau City Market and they were more formal events. We've certainly had people drop through LP and half the time I don't even know that they're there if they're sitting at a table and I'm trapped behind the bar shaking up cocktails on a busy night, you know, but we've certainly had more local candidates local to the state of Iowa come through LP street food. But we did have a, a couple really well attended events specifically regarding Elizabeth Warren and Tim Kaine at the Nouveau City Market. Tim Kaine's was a more traditional like rally where he had a whole speech and we laid out all the chairs and, you know, he outlined all of his like presidential goals and platforms and everything like that. And it was more of like a town hall style thing where people could ask some questions. The Elizabeth Warren event was definitely more of she was just dropping in, but, you know, I'm sure some certain people made it known that she was there in sort of more casual meet and greet situation. But in terms of other things, I mean, Iowa just is a place where people tend to drop by, especially around like the colleges and universities. They try to get those young kids all excited about whatever they might be running for. So I can't resist going back to the Elizabeth Warren event mm -hmm. and just some context setting because kind of our political junkies would remember this, but that Warren criticized her opponent four years ago, Pete Buttigieg, for holding a fundraiser in wine caves in Napa 
is it possible that any of the wine at this event in Iowa came from a winery with a wine cave? <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think so, because at the Nouveau City Market, we only serve Iowa-made wines, so I'm unaware oh. of any place in Iowa that does eat their wine in a cake, unfortunately, that's drama. Okay, Rob, I'm gonna, take your yeah, slide I'm right gonna, now. Gonna, yeah, it's just, it's too gratuitous as a Californian that just the term Iowa-made wine. They taste just as excellent as you can imagine. I, uh, grapes do not. Oh, I, 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 I can't imagine. Oh yeah, and certainly no caves that yeah. they're served in. So real quick, again, on politicians, and this is a question I think we'll regularly ask on this podcast as we go from state to state. You know, Iowa has some fairly high-profile politicians. Give it, get a sense from your from your patrons, who's the most popular or famous or most talked about politician in Iowa, from Iowa right now? I unfortunately am sometimes woefully ignorant about certain things, but I mean, I hear the most in terms of like from my guests about Kim Reynolds, who's our governor, mm -hmm. especially, you know, being the governor through the pandemic and having to make a lot of those, what many people look at controversial decisions to open or close or what rules to enforce or not enforce. She certainly is the one that I hear the most about, and she recently did just get reelected. Yeah, so she's a great story to talk about in context of you know sort of figuring out how some of these decisions impact even your business. Iowa was one of those states that opened up much earlier than other places in the country. A lot of that was a red state dynamic that I think holds true through a lot of states that had Republican governors versus Democrats who tended to be a little bit more on the hawkish side of COVID. What was the experience like at your business going through COVID? And you know, you, obviously you had to lock down initially in March of 2020. What was that experience like for you guys as, you know, as a small business? What did the future look like? What was it like to open up earlier than a lot of other places in the country? Just can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? You can mention in the context of Kim Reynolds or, I mean, or just talk about how you felt going through all that. It was a big mystery for a long time because there was a lot of mixed signals coming across about what the rules were, what the proper things were. You know, are people going to come out and measure the tables individually if they're six feet apart and see if these barriers and like what does anything even do? It was a ton of question marks. And as I'm sure you guys are aware, maybe I'm a little bit more aware because we tried to pay attention to what the regulations were and were not and how to follow any of these things. And a lot of it was just flying blind because we just didn't know. Nobody really knew all of the transmission rates and, you know, big science question marks and what actually would stop a virus and what wouldn't. And then how also do we get the economy going again, get these people off unemployment or whatever, get people back in their jobs. It was also kind of annoying being like vilified by so much of the media, like restaurants and bars worst. And that's where all this stuff happens. Not that people don't get ridiculous when they're consuming alcohol and come in contact with each other a bunch, but there were so many question marks. So it was definitely hard to figure out what the right steps were. One thing that I will say is my favorite thing to come out of the pandemic is uh, Iowa has to-go cocktails all the time, anytime. And that was one of my favorite parts of legislation that came out through that because that obviously increases our sales a ton and gives people a ton more options to get their favorite cocktails to go. But throughout the pandemic, yeah, we reopened as soon as we could, my restaurant in particular. And we recently had built a huge back patio, which was honestly like super awesome because then everyone could be outside, feeling comfortable, whatever, however they felt. Mask mandates came and went. Other mandates came and went. We at one point hung curtains in between all the tables. So everything felt really like intimate, and like 
you know, nice and velvety and soft and the acoustics were great for a moment. But, you know, those came away and tables got closer together as things have gone on. And finally, I, you know, I remember the day I posted it on Facebook when we finally got bar stools back again and I could actually interact with guests more face to face instead of not allowing anyone to sit at the bar and not even being able to do one of the parts of my job that is what I enjoy the most, which is like serving and interacting with customers directly and being able to make them a drink right in front of them. So it was certainly interesting. And then I know a lot of my friends that live in other parts of the country, because I am from Colorado, so I still do have a decent amount of friends that live back there. They were jealous of me, like being able to interact with guests and being able to serve when they were still locked down for so very long. Some of them were, other people were not, but we were sort of, I feel like sort of a guinea pig for the rest of the country in a lot of ways too. People were definitely watching what was happening when we had opened up the stuff. We also had very different results than Florida did. Also, I feel like our population quite isn't the same. You don't see Iowa man in the news as often you see Florida man. So, <laughs> Well said. Jamie, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you've talked about your patrons a little bit, but tell us more about them. I mean, where do they work? What's more of the walks of life that they come from and what's kind of the vibe of their daily lives there? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, LP Street Food is right off the highway. So we get a bunch of different people through. It's also, well, it is like a nicer bar and restaurant in Cedar Rapids. I would say we have like about middling price points. We're certainly not, you know, like high top shelf. Like we're approachable for just about anybody. You can come in and you can have a really nice dinner and a really nice cocktail. Or you can also come in and just like grab a side of tater tots and a domestic beer. You know, we got something for everybody. So our clientele does tend to reflect that. I have everything from engineering executives from Collins Aerospace who come in all the time to truck drivers passing through to occasionally someone straight out of jail that I am very close to the courthouse uh, with my location to the restaurant's location. So someone right out of jail might roll in to use my phone. When I get released from jail, that's usually my first stop. Is the bar? Drink. Any classified secrets coming out of Collins that we could pass on to the Chinese right now? Or that's a, <laughs> you know, I know we're doing a lot of that these days with documents being found all over the Isn't Eastern it? Seaboard. Oh my gosh. Genuinely, though, I did have a couple gentlemen. This was probably three weeks ago. Two of them were pilots, and one of them, I don't exactly know what he does. I was told that he can just fix everything, but he had a meeting the next day. They wanted to stick around and have another cocktail. He had to go because he had a meeting. and they asked him probably six or seven times what the meeting was about, and he did refuse to tell them every single time. And they were ribbing him about the fact that he's got so much more clearance than they do. So yeah, I certainly do get those people who know a lot more things than I'm able to know, which is interesting. He didn't get drunk enough to reveal all his secrets. I must have failed that night. Great American. Yeah, he, he he's his... doing the most. Yeah. So General Mills is another large employer there, right? Mm -hmm. Cereal. Yeah. So I can't help but ask, I mean, as a creative craft cocktail person such as yourself award-winning we know mm -hmm. we've now learned as well have you ever incorporated any at general mills breakfast cereal into a cocktail oh, recipe? certainly on our brunch menu we've got the <laughs> cocktail called the breakfast of champions i took a bunch of captain crunch and infused it with bagarka which is a locally made vodka and then we mix some really good coffee made from a local coffee shop called Kismet and a little bit of sugar, some Baileys, shake it up and serve it in a tall, skinny glass of a crushed ice with more Captain Crunch on top. If you go to our social media, I think I posted a picture of it recently to LP Street Food. You can check that out. Yeah, I've used all sorts of General Mills products. Speaking of other guests, I've got a couple guests that like to come in. One of them is a 
economics professor at Coe College, which is where I graduated from. And then also her husband works on the line at General Mills. So we've got a bunch of everything in Cedar Rapids. So I get a nice wide sampling of all of the people that are out there. And they all do have their own opinions and want to talk about and think about all sorts of different things. So Lynn County is the county that Cedar Rapids sits in. It's fairly democratic county, second largest city in Iowa, as I said in the introduction. A lot of labor a lot of blue-collar workers at the mills plants and that sort of thing. You are represented, though, by a Republican mayor. You're represented by a Republican congresswoman, Ashley Hinson. You know, what's the temperature in the bar? Because of the way your bar works, you've got a diverse set of clients. You've got Republicans. You've got Democrats. You've got people who love Trump, hate Biden, hate, love Biden, hate Trump. How's that dynamic play out in your bar? Do you see it on a regular basis? Are people having political conversations? Or is it, like you said earlier, a place where they like to escape? It's certainly a little bit of both. And I do see both. This is something that I do have to monitor pretty intensely because in a sort of more relaxed, more friendly bar and restaurant environment, I don't want any fights or any sort of like intense spicy feelings to come out. So if I do hear some people start to disagree, I will definitely be listening to those conversations more. For the most part, people tend to talk to people they know and or their friends with, you know, that they hang out with people who agree with them. There are a few times, though, when people do get into these conversations. And they definitely go one of two ways. I would say for the most part, people are very well behaved and they don't talk too much about things that they disagree on. But there have definitely been times when I've had to step in and tell people to quiet down. You know, people have their feelings about religion and politics and stuff like that. And let's just not talk about that at the bar if it gets too far. But for the most part, I would say that people are pretty friendly with each other. Like I said, we've got good vibes in our restaurant and like a comfortable setting. So it's more of a safe space that you could talk about these things with each other than a place where people, you know, would get angry or spicy or something with each other. But the more alcohol people have, the more aggressive it <laughs> has to be. Uh, so you knock back, you know, maybe four or five of these and you're going to be in trouble. Well, that's where they ban alcohol on the house floor in, in D.C. What are some issues though, that maybe you've seen that rise to being those flashpoints over the, the past year. You know, Supreme Court's had controversial decisions, yeah. you got COVID policy, or something else. What what, what has it yeah. been that kind of has bubbled it up to that level when it happens? Yeah. A very somber day in the restaurant, a uh, woman who was protesting the Roe v. Wade decision was hit by a car, and there were people who felt very intensely on both sides, but the restaurant climate was definitely a little bit more turned down. People were pretty quiet that day. Uh, I do remember some people not feeling sorry for the lady, wow. the people with your car. That's not. She wasn't just hit by a car. It had some politics. Oh, uh, absolutely. Behind yeah. that. It was a person who was opposing the protest, obviously. Yeah, the gentleman who was opposing a protest drove into this protest with his truck on right. camera. So that was definitely a sort of rough, very somber time. I can remember even another anecdote story of some regulars of mine who some sort of Supreme Court decision had happened. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was or when it was, but one of my regulars started talking about it. And he's obviously a very, very right wing leaning Republican. And he was like, aren't you so excited about this issue here? And his wife like grabbed his arm and she's like, Tom, stop. Not everybody's a Republican like you are. And he's like, well, I just thought they might be excited. And she's like, not every, not everybody agrees with you. And we're in a public place. This isn't at home. The wife is almost always the wiser one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so at least I had her to moderate that a little bit without me having to say, you know, like, not everybody agrees with you. I'm not going to tell you how I feel. And I try not to interact with guests in ways. That way people can figure out, like, what my opinions are, because I want everybody to feel comfortable, no matter what they believe or no matter who they are. I want everyone to feel like they can come in and have a drink and we can all interact. And that is something that we do pride our restaurants on is that it's sort of like melting pot might not be the right word, but like a place where 
in world where everything is so polarized and people are so against each other, like we have a place where we can go and meet up and talk and people can feel like they're in a safe spot and they can talk about it if they want to, as long as they don't get too ridiculous. No one is going to be angry with them or unreasonable towards them. Well, that's the public house, right? Yeah. The founding fathers did just this in such places over ale. So you're curing on a long tradition. And while it might not be as like grandiose of someone, you know, like holding up with their mug of beer and like shouting out their opinions and what things might be, that seems a little ridiculous. But yeah, certainly the bar top is a place where a lot of ideas are exchanged and hopefully a place where people can get some other perspectives instead of just having sort of a sounding room where it's just things that they agree with themselves. You know, it, when you only talk to people who agree with what you agree, then you never have any other perspective. Well, Iowa Nice is certainly a thing. It's not just a slogan or a line. It's it's a real thing. I grew up there. But have you noticed in the last number of years that some of that's fallen away? Do you think the tribal nature of politics we have now, is the temperature going up? And is it just, is there a trend here that we need to be thinking about and talking about in places like this where we can maybe look for solutions on how to bring the temperature down? Yeah. And I would say it has. You bring up a great point. I would say that the temperature has certainly gone up. We have gotten on both sides of people like angry messages from people about how relaxed we were with some COVID restrictions and the fact that even though it wasn't required, a couple of people were very angry that servers weren't wearing masks. And we got some really angry emails and reviews on our, if you like scroll back a couple of years ago to Yelp, like you will see some really angry reviews about some people not following these sort of regulations that were so prevalent in other areas that we didn't have in Cedar Rapids. So we were a little bit more relaxed. And then on the other side, you know, we had people like coming in when everyone was wearing a mask. We had people specifically avoid coming to us because they didn't like that. Still, at that point, I want to argue that like we didn't know we were under all these strange rules that were changing constantly like us at the restaurant. It's not our fault that we were doing or not doing these things. Because nobody knew what the right answer was, you know? And so we were always put in this weird position of, being a sort of like town authority, even though we just run restaurants, make great food and great drinks. Yeah. Like if this isn't the Department of Health. It's a fun bar. I don't know what to tell you. That's a great point. And it's a good reminder of how politics really is kind of important in your everyday life. I mean, some people think of it as something that sits out there, you know, obsessives on Twitter or people who watch Fox or CNN or MSNBC obsessively. But uh, politics does, you know, it comes right into your life in a very real way. And I think that COVID, that period of time where we're trying to figure out COVID and how to deal with it is probably the best recent example of ways that people's lives were very much impacted by the kind of politics that was happening in their state, their community. So that's just a great point. Jamie, we do want to wrap this up with a little bit of integrating what we do on this podcast, which is have fun with bar life and politics together. So we have asked you in preparation as a master mixologist to <laughs> tell us if there was a cocktail called the Trump and a cocktail called the Biden on your bar menu, what would be the ingredients? I want to start this off by telling everybody out there in the world who could be listening to this that I do not recommend these cocktails to drink. <laughs> I came up with these are very satirical. They probably don't taste good, as I'm assuming, you know, if you were to lick one of these presidents, they probably don't taste good either. Noted. We're going to maintain your credibility as a master mixologist. <laughs> I researched these a little bit. I tried, but I would not 
even though, you know, there might be some complexities and some interesting things about these drinks, I don't necessarily recommend. Don't um, try this at home. I can't yourself. wait. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. But no, I will pull up my little document here and I talk about. So the Donald Trump cocktail. So Donald Trump doesn't drink alcohol, but I did hear a random bit of trivia. At one point, he had an ultra premium vodka brand. I'm pretty sure there was a big T on the bottle. It was gold, but it got <laughs> on it. There is also from one of my favorite distilleries in the world. It's out in California. It's called St. George Spirits, and I absolutely love everything that they make. They create. Yes, they're so good. Everything they do is amazing. They have this sort of Amaro aperitif made in the style kind of an Italian bitter liqueur called Bruto Americana, which quite literally means stupid American. And it did come out the year that <laughs> And I'm sure as people who exist on the internet, you guys have heard the trend, the cocktail that sort of swept the nation with its popularity of the Negroni Spagliato. You don't have to say it with Prosecco, but it is stunning if you make a proper one. So this Spagliato means mistake. So I came up with this cocktail dubbed like make a Negroni Spagliato a mistake again. Um, and it's not going to be, but one ounce, one ounce of vodka. It doesn't really matter what kind you can lie and say it's an ultra premium vodka. The best. Well, um, I'm pretty sure what was in that truck bottle was a lie. If it was called. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And then an ounce of St. George Bruto Americano. And then to make the Spagliato part, you could throw in three ounces of California sparkling wine. And of course you can't forget a drop of orange food coloring. Put them together in a glass. Make sure you get that like really, really good orange color. Typically, a spagliato is Campari, sweet vermouth, and prosecco. But we're gonna sub the sweet vermouth or the vodka in this case. Yeah, that's amazing. You set a high bar now for the Biden. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? What do you got for the? Oh man, I hope you're no a savage. I oh, of course, <laughs> absolutely. This is satire. So the funny thing is that both of these gentlemen don't drink anything, but that doesn't mean that I can't pretend that they would drink obnoxious things, right? So I was doing some research about Joe Biden and the things that he does like to consume. And what I found overall is that he likes peanut butter and jelly and orange Gatorade. You know, definitely the finest example that America has to offer in terms of taste and class and whatever. We know that there's some things that don't get remembered very well. I don't know if you've ever heard of speech. There's a lot of vocal pauses, you know, all these things. There's this cocktail that came out in the 80s and 90s called the Mind Eraser. It's based off of a black <laughs> rush. Uh, and it's supposed, like, the sort of cult knowledge about it is that it's got, it's Kahlua vodka and soda water. The soda water gets the alcohol into your system faster, so you black out quicker. I don't know <laughs> the science behind that, but that's just, like, the joke around the cocktail. So if we were to make a mind eraser based on Joe Biden, I would make some peanut butter-infused white whiskey, scoop some of that oil, that comes in a natural peanut butter, do a little fat wash with the white whiskey. We'd use some coffee liqueur to keep it original, a little bit of raspberry liqueur, and then we'd have to boil down some orange Gatorade until we get a really thick syrup uh, reduction that we could make. <laughs> Mix that all in a Collins glass, top it with some soda water to go straight to the eraser part, get all that alcohol in your system. Beforehand, you would have to dry out a slice of peanut butter and jelly sandwich so it gets really dry and crunchy and old and crispy. And just set that right on top. Yeah, a few moms with young kids that they're thinking right now, yeah, I think that's in the back of the minivan. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so we should classify both of these recipes so that way we ensure they will be found out there in the world. That was amazing. I'm sure the Saturday Night Live writers will be in touch soon to hire you onto the staff. That was spectacular. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm just trying my best out here. But like I said, you know, as funny as those sound, if you do try to make them, please don't let me know how it is. I don't want to know. Jamie, could you do yellow cotton candy in the shape of 
Donald Trump's hairdo? Oh, I'm sure I could figure it out. I've figured out all kinds of things. That wouldn't be the hardest one I've done. That might just be the piece de resistance. Off of yeah, I could also see if I could fold a red cocktail napkin in the shape of a hat, too. I would, I would try. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you set a very high bar. You're so brave to come on our podcast as the first guest other people who are coming on. And by the way, we're going to go all over the country. We're going to go to states that are important in politics, whether they're early states in the presidential contest, whether they're swing states in the presidential contest, whether they are key Senate states or states that have a lot of say in the in the balance of power in our country. So we'll be everywhere. But I think starting off with Iowa as first in the nation, first in the podcast, and having you as our guest has been a great pleasure. You've done a great job. And I can't wait to get back to Cedar Rapids. I'll be into LP Street Food. I will be definitely ordering your version of the Bonfire Old Fashioned first and foremost, but it probably won't stop there. And thank you so much for coming on. We really loved having you. And as the caucuses get closer, I hope you'll come back on and give us maybe a little more color as to what's going on in Iowa or around the Iowa caucuses. I really appreciate you guys asking me to be a part of this. It's an honor. I've loved talking to you. It's been fun. Yeah, I will... I will do better on uh, eavesdropping on my guest conversation, so I'll have more to bring to the table next time. This is great. Thank you so much. Well, Rob, I think Jamie was great. We had an ace mixologist with a real sense of humor on those last cocktails. I think she's probably right. Don't try it at home, but a lot of insight in those cocktails into the some of the ales of our modern <laughs> politics as reflected by Trump and Biden. Yeah, orange food coloring for sure, the Trump cocktail. I thought it was great, and, you know, what a great, I think, bar that she's at to kind of feature. I referenced back to her. It's this idea of the public house, right? Mm -hmm. Especially coming out of COVID where she talked about that glimpse of people first reconnecting and reemerging. She literally talked about the drapes they had, like around cocktail tables or booths, being lifted and going back to the bar stools and being able to interact again. It's a literal metaphor for what the country's been coming out of in the past year. And I, it really stuck out to me how just amazing that was to hear her describe it in a real place. As we go around the country, we're going to hear all kinds of different answers on something like that from red states and blue states and how the political approaches to things can often be different. Well, that's it for our first episode, Rob. Thanks for giving highball politics a shot, pun intended. And please join us next week as we pull up a bar stool in another politically and culturally important state in this great country. We'll interview a bartender there, find out what the locals are drinking and saying. But until then, thank you for joining us and cheers. Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kochel and me, Rob Stetsman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. And find us on social media. We're at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your pics of this week's with the hashtag Highball Podcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.